0: This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska. A place where real people need a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. We want to remember the, uh, the fallen soldier this week in... Uh, part of the Fort Rich group that we have some back from now, and just just how sad that whole thing is, and all that are affected by that. We remember that in light of the resurrection, and we pray that for um, his family and for all. We remember those who are serving there, and so uh, just just to take time and and uh, lift them up. Next week, we have resurrection stories, and so each year as we proclaim this truth today, we follow that up with people next week who have experienced the resurrection in their lives and really encourage you to come back and hear that next week. It's really, really good. And um, then what everybody's talking about is what, did, what happened yesterday, yeah, and you just feel so good, don't you? <laughs> like somehow it was all worth it. And I know that some of you are praying. I want to break it again next year. Well, no, no, not not so much. And so I have a statement for, about all that. It is what it is. And that <laughs> and that is the title this morning. So I was telling Patty last night. I was saying uh, you know. Well, the title of my sermon tomorrow is this one. And she says, "Well, what does that mean?" I said, "Well, nobody really knows, but everybody says it, and they sound really smart, you know. So, profound thing. So, I wanted to. I did a little research on this and came up with what it means. And this is just uh, from one website. Yeah, I didn't get a change. So, deal with it or don't. I mean, that's real helpful. Yeah. Oh well. Get over it. Accept it and move on. And my favorite cry me a river. Yeah. So, uh and then this one, another somebody had a little contrary opinion here, if I can get that up there. A trite overused and inf- infuriatingly meaningless cliche. <laughs> and if you feel that way about this, you're going to hate everything that comes from this point on cuz I'm going to I'm going to overuse that phrase again. It is what it is. And uh this, what I want to do is go through this Easter story this morning and look for that some places where that phrase might you know pop it has some value, but you get the idea that it's kind of a there it is deal with it sort of a thing and uh uh matthew's story so in matthew's story we're going to see how that works i want to i want uh not apologize but explain if you 've been here on Easter before you 'll notice a pattern, okay, seventeen years now we started at greening middle school and and i 've been doing what i 'm doing today and loving this day more than any other i think and it 's because of um, this Easter story, and so a lot of pastors or uh, people that will talk about Easter will uh, there's many places in the Bible that refer to the resurrection and the meaning that the resurrection has in our life. But I always just want to go back to those original four stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So when you're here on Easter, that's what you're going to hear. It's pretty predictable. I'm going to take one of those stories, and there's a reason I do that, and it's because when it was my second year of my Christian life, so I, you know, in my mid-20s. And I experienced Easter for really the first time, I think, in, in just what it means. And I read this story. I can't remember which account it was, or maybe it was all of them. But it just I put myself in the story. I used my imagination, and I put myself in the story, and I allowed myself to feel what they must have felt that day. And that had a profound effect on my life. And therefore, it's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> This is the story that I always go to. It's the most raw and intense, unfiltered meaning of the resurrection as we walk through these ten verses together one more time. Well, uh, the people ha- that have been here over those 15 years I want to say have experienced some of the resurrection it's so cool to have people tell their stories you'll hear some next week but people who have come alive as a result of basically the Easter story and I remember one guy sitting right there in the second row right okay rest patty right in there somewhere. his name was Clint he was here he was an air force uh, F15 pilot. well we you know that's that's so 2008 F15s you know we moved on but um, but he he was yeah <laughs> But he was here that day, and his marriage was in deep despair. And I said some things about how, you know, all these, how the resurrection can work and how it can take a dead marriage and resurrect it. And he grabbed onto that. And he would come up to me many times uh, later and tell me exactly what I said that day, and he, just word for word. And when Clint said it, it's, I'm sure it sounded way better than what I Did I say that? Man, that's profound. I didn't know I could say that. And he, but what happens there is that the Holy Spirit of God activated something in his life. And he grabbed onto some, some hope that was, wasn't there when he walked in that day. And, and Clint, uh, has, his life has been resurrected. His marriage wasn't. That's, but that's not even an issue for him now. His life has been resurrected. So uh, those things happen. And Easter is one of those days where it seems to happen more than any other. Matthew 28. To get into Matthew 28, you have to at least refer back, and that's what what Tyler did in worship. But if there ever was a story that sort of brings out that it is what it is, deal with it, accept it, and move on, you could say that at the end of Matthew 27 where Jesus has been crucified. And to quote from uh, a, a movie that used to be shown on Easter every year, if you're old enough to remember this, The coroner in The Wizard of Oz said of the witch, she is not merely dead. She is really, really most sincerely dead. And you could say that about Jesus. You need to know that, that he was... When you're crucified on a cross, you're dead. And there's no hope. Not only did he die, but the hopes of all those who were following him died. So, you know, the the end you can hear... As I experienced the resurrection in that way I mentioned earlier, I can just imagine them feeling like, what is the point? I mean, we've just got to move on. We're going to okay, get over it, deal with it. It is what it is. Death has happened. Story over. So that's how we start this Easter morning story. As these two women go out to the tomb, and they're going to anoint uh, Jesus' body for, for burial. Well, uh, it, I want to. Be, well, let me read just a bit here, and then I'll pause. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and uh, just to get something clear here, that this isn't going to be the main point here, but the, the relationship, the complex relationship between science and faith, just just real between science and miracles, because I know some of you struggle with that. Let me give you a little bit of logic here, and. Uh, In in the scientific community from the time of Darwin in the 1860s until the 1960s for roughly 100 years, the scientific community firmly held in a sort of it is what it is kind of way that the earth or the universe had always existed, that there was no beginning. And therefore, you Christians that talk about it having a beginning... You, you know, you just need to accept it, move on. There is no scientific evidence that this universe ever had a beginning. But guess what happened in the 1960s? As scientific evidence came in that there was a beginning, and it started very uh, abruptly. Okay, we know that is in, scientific, in the is Big Bang Theory, whatever, but it's not just a theory anymore. You can't be a scientist today and not believe that. There's a new, it is what it is in the scientific community, right? You know that? that that during my lifetime the standard thing was this, and now it's this—totally different. Now, what that means is that um, that there was so okay. You have a you have an existence that that something that comes into existence that wasn't there. Therefore, logic. This is just pure logic, not Christian logic. Pure logic. Therefore, if it exists, it must have had a cause. Wonder what that cause could be. Something that created out of nothing. How, what are the so the Christians come in and say, "Hey, fits right in with our story." That God from outside of this universe that we know, from outside of creation, created this story, or this place. That's, that's perfect, and we believe that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, because you know the Scriptures make this clear, we believe that they were involved in the creation process. That His fingerprints are over everything. Therefore, just taking that logic a little further, we're into a story here, and people say, angels, earthquakes that don't seem to have, I mean, the stuff we're going to read about here, well, tell you what, if God created the world, if his fingerprints are all over it, what's the big deal with him doing something that interrupts what we call normal life? I mean, if it's open to God, if he was the creator, then you would expect to find him, if he has love in his heart and he has power that he wants to use, that, that he would have activity in this life, and that he would touch people the way he does in this story, and that he would still touch people today. That's totally consistent. There's no illogical flaw there. That's where I'm coming from, okay? So when I read about these miracles, I don't, I don't pause and say, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. That no, just makes sense. How do you explain this universe? Well, you work backwards and you'll figure it out. So we get into this story, moving on. And we find an angel. What I'm going to say an angel with an attitude. You ever met one of those? <laughs> well, there was a violent earthquake. And uh, going to the tomb, this, uh, the angel of the Lord came down. Going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone. And then, can you imagine? Okay, he rolled back the stone, this, this round disc. And it's fairly large. It would be hard to move. And then he sat on it. I just see it like that. I think he was having some fun. (laughs) He sat on it, and the guards—God loves irony. It's all over Scripture. Irony is is a great form of communication. The guards who were sent there to guard the body of a dead (laughs) man—interesting—become like dead men. The Scripture says, "Isn't that interesting?" They were shaken. There had been an earthquake, but that didn't shake him. What shook him was the sight of this angel with an attitude who's having some fun, I think. At least if I were that, I would have some fun there. And then this, the story goes on. The, the guards are kind of out of it at that point. And he begins to speak, this angel, to the women in verse 5. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. How, how many times do you hear that in scripture? What does that, what does that imply? <laughs> They're afraid. Yeah. Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. So listen to all this. He is not here. He has risen. He is, uh, just as he said, and come and see the place where he lay, the empty tomb, and then go and tell his disciples. And then he ends it all, <coughs> excuse me, he ends it all with, now I have told you which roughly translated means, there you have it, which roughly translated means, it is, <laughs> Come on. it is what it is. Yeah. He's risen from the dead. There there was an old it is what it is, meaning that when you died, you died. That was the end of the story. But now there's a new it is what it is. He has risen from the dead. That's, that's going to cause some confusion within these two women. And so... Uh, We read on. Verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. Afraid yet filled with joy. Let's linger over that a little bit. Why? What? Well, first of all, there's got to be some confusion here between... The old, it is what it is. The old truth that they know that when someone dies, there is no... That's the last word. The final, what more can you say? And the new, it is what it is. When they've heard this, at least heard, they haven't experienced it yet, but they've heard from an angel the truth that he is risen from the dead. That creates some cognitive dissonance, some how do you resolve that confusion within them. So, uh, why are they afraid? Well... Uh, they're afraid. Well, first of all, just to meet an angel with an attitude would be enough to scare you. And secondly, they're on the wrong side of the authorities, right? The the, the, the powers that be that are moving around—they're on the wrong side of that equation. And then third, they've got to go tell men. Uh, women, do men always, you know, get it when you try to tell them <laughs> something? And maybe a little bit of fear of being laughed at. Because you know that in the first century Jewish culture that a woman's testimony in court was not even allowed. So there's some fear there. And what, what would be the source of joy? Well, the joy would be in the possibilities that maybe, just maybe, this could be true. And you think about how you would feel. This is part of my thing. How would you feel if you had to hold all of that together inside of yourself? You would probably be afraid, and have joy at the same time, until something else happened that tipped the scales in favor of one or the other. Well, um, my only—the well my, the thing that comes to my mind is when my um, uh, son and I were—many of you have heard this story before—but we were in 2003 on the uh, Big the Big Sioux River. We had come down Little Willow, and we're fishing for kings, and we got into a uh, what's known as a sweeper, which is not something you want to get into, but it is what it is, there it was, you know, and uh, we reacted uh, best we could, and I, I held on to the sweeper, I got fl- we got flipped over, we had a cataract, and my son Aaron stayed with the cataraft and I'm holding on to this sweeper, and not, you know, fearing for my own life, but also fearing for Aaron as I see him. As I swam to shore in that torrential current, and I see him going around a corner holding on to that cataract. And the next 45 minutes of my life were, uh, yeah, you know, looking back, it's just slow motion pictures and and all of that. And I remember asking people, because I made my way down to the Willow Campground, and I asked people, have you seen my son? I mean, I didn't, I just, that's how I put it. Have you seen my son going by here on a cataract? And person after person said, no, I haven't seen your son. I don't, didn't see anybody go by. And I've got this look of despair on my face. And mud and, you know, everything, freezing cold. And and so I, I found this lady. I don't know if she was an angel. <laughs> if she was, she had a good attitude. And uh, she said, I saw him go by. Now, the fear that I had was mediated by the joy of that word to me. And so after 45 minutes of, you know, finding my way back down to, there's a, a launch area there, uh, I got there just as he was getting, being helped out of the water, freezing cold. And the experience of us hugging each other is something I will never forget. And here's my ex- way of saying it. We were freezing warm together. Freezing warm, that's how we felt as we hugged each other and we realized the joy of something that could have been so much worse. And I think we we lost a fly rod in the process, which I cried over for days. But no, <laughs> no, um, it was it was. Uh, but that's the joy, the joy of that day. It, it is etched in my mind forever. Yeah. So tipped in now. In this story, they've got the mix going. They haven't got the the full deal yet. So we need to. Move on. Verse 9. So, or suddenly, you always like a story that gets that word in there. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Greetings. That's all he said. That's it. And you know, you do, the, do a little of the study on this one that pastors like to do. And the word greetings, you know what it means? It means greetings. <laughs> Actually, it means something like, hello. Howdy. It's very informal. It's hi. And that's all he says. And they worship him. And, and it, I mean, it just kind of makes you wonder. Uh, there had to be... But it's as if he were saying, well, what did you expect? I told you so. <laughs> and they, their joy, uh, the fear is, you know... You, it's going down the fear is going down the joy is going up right there's a story uh, a New Testament scholar uh, who writes commentaries a very smart man named Dale Bruner that he was teaching a children's church so there's just kids around him you know you think of the chaos there and he asked the question of the kids what was the first thing that Jesus said to his disciples when he was raised from the dead and this little girl raised her hand I know I know he said, ta-da! <laughs> that's, that's good. That's not too far off. But, yeah. Ta-da. So, they're, they've experienced, they had, they've had. now experienced Jesus. Okay, you can experience, this is my thing, you can experience Jesus. Not quite in that same way, but... I've experienced Jesus. Many in this room have experienced Jesus. It's not just; it's not enough to hear about him. The rumors aren't going to get you there, but to experience him. And that's what happens here. And the one who is... Um, you know, in the, in the Old Testament, the name for uh, God is Yahweh, and that would include Jesus. His name is I am, or I am who I am. The one who is I am has redefined. It is what it is. Now, if you can take in that little twist of the English language, you understand he's redefined what what life is and what death is, that death is not the final word. And I want you all to look at these flowers up here right now that may remind you, these have been given uh, in remembrance of people, family, loved ones, and look at them, take them in, smell them, take pictures, whatever you want. May they remind you, may they be a helpful reminder of life that never ends that you experience death, but death is not the final word. Allow this story to bring comfort to your soul, as you think of loved ones. Now, the Apostle Paul, who wrote 30 years later, and who we have letters from, uh, particularly 1 Corinthians 15, which is looking back on this Easter story from a little more perspective, and he makes this wonderful statement that I, I love. He does a little ta-da thing on death, if you've ever read that Thing that he does there in First Corinthians 15, he says, "Oh death!" He's just speaking right into death. And Paul is uh, years away from his own death when he writes this. He knows it's coming. Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Yeah, that's a, that's, that's some poetry there that you can allow that. And he, basically he's saying he's taunting death. He's saying, "Death, you have yeah, you'll have your way with me, but it's not the final word. It's not the last word." Yeah, Jesus is the last word. God is the last word. The one who created the world can recreate the world. The one who made the world can remake the world. The one who created the world can remake me. So the questions are, here's a couple of questions for you, and then we'll have a prayer. Um, What are the odds that you'll never have another problem in your life? (laughs) We may set that record next year. Who knows? Um, What are the odds... That you won't die. They've just done another statistical analysis on that one, and the uh, still one to one the ratio. You know, what are the odds that you won't die? What are the odds that you know that? Where where, what are the odds that when you do die, you know it's not the last word? I mean, do you do you know that for sure? Is what I'm trying to ask. Do you are you sure in your heart that death is not the last word for you? for you, those who you love. I mean, you can know that. You, you, can, you can allow this Easter story to have that kind of, an, kind of an effect upon you. So what I want to do is offer to pray, and I will pray just a minute for all of us, but I, I'm going to be back there at the cross, and I'm going to ask the people on the prayer team uh, to come with me. And we would love to pray for you in regard to anything in your life, but particularly if, if you want a new start, just a new start, whatever that means for you. If you want to experience the resurrection in some area of your life where there's just huge struggles, or you just define your life as being overwhelmed with problems right now, or you want to pray for somebody else, or however you want to do it, but we are going to be back there and would love to pray with you. And this is Easter. Take advantage of it. Allow all the hope that God wants for you to come into your life today. That's my prayer for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace that finds us here on this beautiful morning, that we can celebrate this together, the greatest news the world has ever heard, that death is not the final word, Jesus, that you are, that you rule over death. And we want to, I believe, I pray this for all of us, that our heart's prayer desire would be to live with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? And I'm going to ask you to say those those words, "He is risen." He is risen indeed. The resurrection it is what it is because he is who he is. How's that? They're going to lead us on in worship, but consider coming back for prayer.